One of the things I have in common with Joshua Johnson, the guest today, is that he's doing a, a price guide of sorts with Card Ladder. And it's a 21st century version, and uh, I enjoy seeing what they're doing. Some really innovative things, very creative, very empirical. Josh and I are just batting around my opinions of the Card Ladder product. Thanks, sponsors, Top Spinini Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, and ComC.com. Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's the conversation about Card Ladder with Josh Johnson, one of the co-founders. Welcome, Josh. On Card Ladder, I get a daily push, and I really enjoy that because I'm getting some high points of what the sales were. Presumably, it's, I guess, the day before. It's very timely. But if I said I would like to see that expanded, I think you're giving me enough of a tease that you want me to you go to the app, to the site, whatever. But if you gave me a little bit more, of course, maybe then I'd be satiated. But if you gave me a top 10 instead of a top three, just curious, are you trying to be parsimonious? I don't think I've thought through it as much as you are giving me credit for. It's mostly just like a, a tactic of trying to get people into the app and keeping them engaged and excited about it. We, the The one that most people like is the push for how their collection value has changed. Yeah. So if you have your collection there, we'll tell you every day that, oh, it's gone up. 14,000 or it's gone down 400 or whatever the case is. And people will literally message me being like, why did you make my collection go down today? What is your problem? You know, it's like, I'm somehow responsible for the market going down and on their stuff. No, yeah, we definitely understand that people like the push notification stuff so we can expand on that. And I'll just start taking notes on your ideas. For Card Ladder, your audience is anybody that collects great cards, isn't it? Or, or good cards or high demand cards. What? How would you say that? Because there's a fee for some level of service, but what's your audience? Is it everybody? Uh, it seems like it's more people that are interested in better cards. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it's definitely an audience of people that are interested in more high demand cards because we add cards on a democratic system of what most people want to see of a voting system. So we're just following the crowd of what they want to see. But then also on the side, we add stuff that we feel is incredibly interesting to the hobbies, whether that's something very expensive or very rare. The Brady Championship ticket, we've added a lot of those, or the PMG Green Jordan stuff that's almost impossible for most people to get. But we think it's interesting to have it in there and see the data on it and see how we come up with pricing on it. And it's just something interesting to look at. So we try to do a little bit of everything. I think the harder part about trying to appeal to every single person is that if we do that, then no one's going to be happy. So we have to pick something just because we can't the way that our system is structured, we can't add, you know, infinite cards. Welcome to my world of the nineties <laughs> right. and two thousands too. Are you guys getting hit on in a good way by the Wall Street Journal or some of these other uh, media sources as an authoritative aspect? Or are you mainly trying to work within the trade and make sure that collectors have the best information? Because I know we got we, a lot of unsolicited requests for quotes and what's going on, right. and you guys have. A, a different kind of empirical data approach that I think seems to be really working, but to what extent are you being recognized by the national media? There is a couple publications that reach out. Yahoo reached out to us at one point because they were doing a study on NFTs and they wanted to do like a baseline against cards. They wanted to use our index data. And then there was the financial times they reached out. One, yeah, Definitely one of our goals is to be thought of in that high esteem of the data that we have is so empirical and so accurate that it's basically like a source of truth. So people take the prices that we have in our system as fact. And that's kind of where we want to get. And I think you're touching on that. If we get more high profile uh, publications to to treat it as such, that, that's going to be better for our brand. And that's something definitely we strive to be. One of the things that when we were doing the, the Beckett Price Guides, it always was like a black box. And yet 
your published data, you're actually giving formulas. If you look under the covers, you're expressing how your numbers are calculated based on empirical data. And I guess they could quibble. Number one, you're trying to sanitize the data and make sure that it's clean. And number two, I guess you would refine your calculations, but you're saying what you're doing and then you're doing the math for them. And then it flows into a ranking that people can accept or discount. Do you guys discount the fractional sales if you put them in your system? So there's some understanding that sometimes the fractional sales are uh, above retail. Yeah, we're not putting the fractional sales in there because there's an added factor to it to where people are willing to pay more for a fraction of it than if they were to actually buy the whole thing. So it conflates the value a little bit. Plus the fractional platform itself is willing to pay more and they've tried to express it. And I think it's being very charitable for them to express it as a 10% premium. Because I think Mm -hmm. in many cases, it's way more than that. So it's a good deal for the person that's, that's selling to the fractional. We are definitely big on transparency and the showing all of our data, showing the facts. People will actually reach out to me and be like, your predicted price on this card is making me look bad. It should be a lot higher. Can you update it? There's nothing to update. It's just math. You're arguing against the computer, not me. It's like, you can literally go look at the multipliers that we set up and how we arrived at that number and do the math yourself. But what you're pointing out is the, the, the little bit smart person says it that way. The really smart person says, I know how you're valuing the cards. I know how to market manipulate. Because what they're really saying is I need another data point to make me look good. And sometimes yeah. they're unscrupulous people that provide that data point. It's a real sale, but it's a real sale in order to inflate or manipulate some other holdings. But that's <laughs> a little scary. The, these markets are pretty thin to where it doesn't yeah. take much to, to move a needle. Yet, if it's just an isolated thing, you it, it can't be an enduring price if the next one sells for a lot less <laughs> because nobody was propping up the price. Yeah, people will message us like almost immediately after a sale is is completed on one of the platforms and say, hey, you guys haven't added this sale yet. We look at it and it's just way off from the last few sales. And we're like, man, you're pretty anxious to get this added to our system, maybe to inflate uh, that card specifically, or like you said, the multiplier towards the different card. And we needed to take this a little bit more cautiously than just adding whatever people want us to add. Yeah, I don't know if you did... uh a lot of statistics in your computer programming. There's a concept of the trim mean, but if you had a bunch of data, you might throw out the high and the low and average the ones mm-hmm. in the middle that would be less effective outliers, low or high. You can't do that with what you're doing because there may be two sales. <laughs> so you've got the high and the low. And in the right. bull market, the low one was a few weeks ago and the high one is now. That's going to be a fast moving card. Now, whether it's going to continue to go up, don't know, but it has gone up. And it probably legitimately has gone up. When you're trying to verify these are actual sales, we are in a bull market. There have been some corrections. But look at a year and a half ago compared to now, some stuff is way, way up. It's not just Michael Jordan's and basketball. Mm -hmm. It's everything. Not everything, but a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this stuff is is hard to track and it's hard to determine value. It's the number one question in the hobby. What's this card worth? There's a reason there's not a ton of price guides out there. It's hard to do. It's hard to build and there's a lot of work to it. It's just like they say, well, just check out the comps. Number one, there may be no comps that are relevant. If you were in real estate, you're going to buy a home and it's a home in the middle of nowhere. And you say, well, where's the comp? There's nothing within 10 miles of it. Then what's the comp? Or there's nothing that's been sold near it for 10 years. What's the comp? So you have a hard time. I think what you guys are doing, and hats off to you, there's what is the comp, where is the comp from, when is the comp, 
And then almost who is the cop? Yeah. There's a whole bunch of questions you've got to ask. And then you're showing people how you do the math. And you're probably not completely explicit about what you're eliminating, but people are trusting that you're eliminating from consideration sales that are suspect or have some story that's sure would uh, upset the analysis. We, we did the same thing. You, you can't tell a dealer, hey, we're ignoring what you're telling us. Yep. We didn't ignore, but we just took it with a grain of salt. When a, like yeah, we, a fractional buys, buys something for their platform, overpaying is to their benefit because their fees are based on the gross and the excitement is based on the gross. I, I have no problem with that. And they're doing well, but they're starting to have releases that are not uh, performing as well in the aftermarket. So it's going to cause them to look at price guides and card ladder and things like that to see what went wrong there. Was I overly optimistic? Were there some other things there? Because you just can't say Tom Brady's the greatest, so this is a good deal. Michael Jordan, last dance. You got to buy it now before it goes up. Ultimately, the actual value that someone's willing to pay for the individual card that's being fractionalized has to support the data on the fractionalization of it itself. So... It has to be backed by real numbers. So you're right. Yes. I think the fractionals will be forced to come up with pricing strategies that work, which then brings them into your purview. Because like I said, I think there's a 20% premium that the fractionals are paying above what something's worth because they think that they can draw people in. Maybe a developer buys a huge parcel of land, then they break it up into individual lots. Well, they don't sell them for less. They sell them for more. The pieces add up to more than the whole. Yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, I hadn't thought about it that way. So there's different ways. The other problem is that if you were at a trust situation with an estate or you're in a business, if you're a limited partner and you have minority interest, that sells at a discount because you don't have control. And that's what's happening in some of these fractionals. You don't have control. Somebody could decide to sell it. But, but if you have this individual trading, then it makes the hobby fun for some people. So I'm not uh, the policeman to say you can't do this. I'm more the educator. I want to help people make more informed, have better insights, better decisions, more perspective. Like I said, there's a historical perspective, which you've got to be careful to rely too much on 20th century experience. I do have some 21st century experience too, but you've got to take it all with a grain of salt. NFTs, do you think you'll be doing tracking NFTs on, on card ladder? There's no way I can answer that today because it's just so new. There's no history to it. The prices are fluctuating so dramatically and drastically. I don't even know that I'd, <clears throat> in good conscience, feel morally correct in <clears throat> publishing data related to that because you're basically telling people like, hey, this is the value that it is. You can give people a reasonable well, suggestion to go purchase at this price, but there's no way I can suggest that. Well, that they are going to be considering, I want to buy something of a player and I've got X dollars to spend, what do I want to spend my money on a card or an NFT? I, I think the point for NFTs that it doesn't get you off the hook, because I think there will be some people asking for that. But most of these NFTs, I think, are going to be closed systems. They're not going to want you telling whether it's a good deal. A lot of it's crypto-based. So they want you coming into their ecosystem, trading within their system, and they're going to say the price is the price. Yeah, I don't need Josh and, and Chris telling me that this is... Uh, a good deal or not. It's what people are paying. But the other thing that happens on NFTs that you know, tell me about how you do this with the uh, card ladder is NFTs. There's a real big deal on like Jersey numbers and, and things like that. Mm. I know that it yeah. came from cards, but do you factor that in some way? Because it does matter. 
Unfortunately, we don't do anything like that. The biggest thing is Beckett cards with the subgrades because you'll see an outlier of a Fleer Jordan 86 with a quad 9.5. That's the highest outlier. And then you'll see the, the min sub 9 centering where it's lower. And it's so it's really hard though. We currently don't have a way to distinguish those and we don't have a way to do jersey numbers. We'd like to potentially publish notes on a specific sale and because and kind of, people might hover over a specific sale and why is this one so much higher if we could have a little note that distinguishes why if even it just said this is a jersey number or this is a quad i think that would be a good start but you're right uh, it definitely matters again it's the problem we had the reason we needed so many price guide guys was not because there was so much data it's because there were so many exceptions and that's what yeah. you're going to find your team is going to grow exponentially if you've got to add all these uh, one-off uh, notations as soon yep. as it becomes not automated and mechanized, then you're talking about a lot of people tracking and explaining the finer points. I think you're going to have users that are going to do that anyway. In fact, the savviest ones are already doing that. They know that there's strong PSA 9s and weak PSA 9s. Uh, BGS makes it easier, but you can't just say it's a BGS 9.375 average with three nine fives and a 9 because it matters which subgrade was the 9, if it's centering as opposed to surface. You know, so, yeah, totally. But again, you have to draw the line somewhere, just as we did, in what level of complexity do, does the typical person want? Well, actually, Josh, they want it all. <laughs> they, want, they want you to do everything, and you can't because uh, otherwise you'd have to have a different market cap, a different yep. listing for each of the potential BGS 9.5 subgrade configurations. And it might be worth it, you know, for a Jordan. Yeah, I know. Okay. You're stressing me out with all these changes we got to keep making. So we're going to stop on a stressful note instead of because <laughs> Josh is going to go. I don't think you're going to noodle on that. You're going to just write that one off. It's, it's not ready for prime time. But again, for the enterprising person that wants to dig deeper, they're going to pay yeah. more for something that has those stronger subgrades or has the better eye appeal. Nothing wrong yeah, with totally. that. Again, if the hobby was completely deterministic, such that price guides were the Bible or that card ladder was sacrosanct, then that wouldn't be very much fun. So there's a dynamic element. Even if the price guides price was perfectly accurate on a day, the next day it could be different because somebody else could have yeah. it. So that's a good yeah. So anyway, so you're not going to be out of work. And I don't think my old company's going to be out of work because it's, it's a fun ride. So Josh Johnson, Cardboard Chronicles, Card Ladder, thanks for uh, being here and uh, I'm enjoying Card Ladder. Highly recommend it to others.